Welcome to Reading and Ranting, where we read obsessively and rant about life in our 20s. I'm Mia. And I'm Carly. Today, we're going to be talking about everyone's favorite fairy porn books. Yes, we will be diving into A Court of Thorns and Roses, the whole series by Sarah J. Mass. And let me just tell you, Akatar is what kicked off my romanticy addiction. So I am so excited to start with the OG and really dive deep into what made these books perfect. Yeah, if you guys know, if you know, you know, Akatar is literally what kickstarted our obsessive love of reading and our friendship. So, so happy to dive back into the world of Sergei Mass and venture back into Prithian. Yes, and don't worry, we do have a rant prepared. We'll be talking about the fan cast for the upcoming Akatar show, whether that's on Hulu or whatever it's picked up by me and I absolutely cannot wait but we do have some opinions so let's get into it all right so we're gonna go book by book and of course that means we're starting with Akatar. and this one it's so different from the rest in the way that it takes place in the spring court tamlin is the my like book boyfriend in this one like guys I know I've talked about this but I'll say it again I really was like a Tamlin stan as I think we all were I thought he was endgame I had never read an SJM book before I didn't know that typically she has like a twist with the love interest but yeah I was really into Tamlin and honestly when we first met Reese I was not into him like he literally broke her arm when she was under the mountain in like the little dungeon as she was competing to you know save everyone and save Tamlin yeah I mean I I low-key saw through like the Tamlin stuff like I was so hooked like so into the story but then as soon as we had like the other characters introduced I was like okay this Reese guy is like obviously gonna be important um but yeah I do think it's interesting like watching their relationship evolve from under the mountain like obviously like through everything I think like it does go to show that Sarah J Mass really does write complex characters and most of her characters do have some sort of action or plot or interaction that like can be very morally gray at times uh and mm-hmm. so I feel like that that's something especially with throughout the series um or at least the first four books them being narrated in first person by Feyre something that I see people talk about a lot is obviously Feyre's perception of everybody is biased especially when it comes to Reese so then like later in the series like when we get kind of the third person narration with Nesta and A Court of Silver Flames you see like how other people interact with Reese and it's like a little bit different so Mm -hmm. interesting point to kick off with but definitely like the bait and switch with Tamlin was so fucking real yeah and like just again I mean like you said we obviously see Reese through Farah's eyes um but I will say it does kind of make sense that I guess he broke her arm and you know he but he didn't know that they were mates yet and I think he would have acted a lot different and yes he had had those like dream visions where basically he had seen Farah in his like his dreams but then when he met her I think he definitely like he realized it was her from the dreams but he didn't really make the mating bond connection and he was at the point in his life where he was like I'll risk everything, including you, to get back to my people, go back to the night court. But I do think that, like, if he had already felt the mating bond, then he would have never, like, hurt her in that way. Because I think once you have a me, it's, like, me above all else. Fuck yeah. everyone else. No, 100%. I mean, that's when we get the, <laughs> there you are. I've been looking for you. Ah! Yes. Which is, like, amazing. Thank <laughs> Colin yeah yeah for real but yeah again shows that Reese is a really interesting character like that does help characterize him as the leader that will do anything to protect his people um which we obviously see later on through the books but mm-hmm. we got to talk about another Akatar character who's the day one my fox boy Lucian I was so obsessed with Lucian in the first book, you guys. Like, he was so funny, so sassy. But then at the same time, like, I could tell he was more important than just, like, the side character comedic relief. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's really cute watching, like, him and Feyre have this kind of, like, banter and, like, how he's risking things to help Feyre under the mountain. 
and things like that. Like he very quickly became a central character for me. Yeah, definitely. I would also say it was kind of funny how in Avatar it's kind of like the trio vibe where it's like Tamlin, Farah, and Lucian. Um, but Lucian is honestly like there for Farah more than Tamlin is because Tamlin's always off doing things that like Farah is included in on. And then Lucian's kind of left to like look after her and make sure she doesn't get herself into trouble. So yeah, I mean, I obviously didn't foresee his like storyline and where it would go later on but I definitely agree like it was clear from day one that he wouldn't just be like the best friend of Tamlin that wasn't like his main persona yeah definitely I think um we get some really interesting scenes like honestly pretty early on that are like pretty relevant throughout the rest of the series so like Lucian showing Feyre how to trap the surreal um Mm -hmm. and like the fact that when Feyre goes back to her family and her sisters in the human lands like after Tamlin has like glamoured them and made them forget that she was literally like stolen Mm -hmm. (laughs) um like we get points of like Nesta being able to see through his glamour and important things like that. Uh, and then yeah. we also see, like, their characterization of, like, they wanted to stay in the human realm. Like, they wanted absolutely nothing to do with it. But then when Feyre is like, I'm going to go back, like, Nesta is like, yeah, you need to go back. Um, so very, very interesting. I think yeah. people... This book is like a setup book. Yeah, I was going to say, I think people tend to discredit the foreshadowing in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, which we know our girl Sarah J. Mouse is a queen of foreshadowing. Um, especially like when you're so deep in this fandom and like you're on your reread or whatnot, and you're just like, Well, I just have to get through Tamlin and Feyre to get to Akamath. But mm-hmm. I do think there like is a lot to be said for this book. I think I'm due for a reread to see now knowing all that I know, to see how I feel towards Tamlin. Am I gonna be screaming the entire time internally, being like, get out of here? Or am I gonna like realize why I was so infatuated with Tamlin but then obviously in Akamath which we'll talk about in a second that quickly gets like 180 you know and then you're total resand girl um but I think like like we said there's a couple foreshadowing things here and also just things that are really important to just like the Akator universe so some things that will say still confuse us from Akatar. they still haven't like been answered basically these questions have been answered even throughout the series and obviously the series is still ongoing like there's another book coming out at some point I believe 2025 I cry that feels so far away um but something that really confused me and I was the word marks on the cottage door of the home that um like Farah, Nesta, her mom, dad, they Elaine they all lived in like who put those there why were they there what did they mean yeah and it's said I think that their father paid some like passing charlatan who claimed ancient fey heritage and his bloodline to carve the like whorls and swirls um Mm -hmm. so I'm like "Mm, marks of protection that are whorls and swirls (laughs) like what does that sound like exactly but then it's like why didn't like deter Tamlin from entering you know it's just so many questions. And another thing is Tamlin said, didn't your mother ever tell you anything about us? He said this to Farah, Farah when he was talking about the Fae. I think you could interpret this one of two ways. Yes, he could just be saying that like one off. Like, didn't your mother even ever teach you about this? Or is he saying like, didn't your mother ever tell you anything about us? As in her mother knew things about Fae? Like, right. we know nothing about the mother, like, really nothing other than she was really similar to Nesta, and she was kind of, like, cold and not very warm and fuzzy. Like, that is literally all we know, and obviously, she passed away. Yeah. No, and it's so curious to me, too, because if we take it that way, that, like, their mom and dad had some sort of, like, old knowledge, also, like, I think that there's evidence with that later in Akawar when we see what her dad has been off doing in the continent, Um, so quite mm-hmm. interesting. Um, also early on in the book, we're obviously introduced to the mercenary that Feyre speaks to. Who is this woman? Who is this mercenary that has all this knowledge and can tell that the wolf pelt is a fairy pelt? Like, 
it just it actually like boggles my mind I'm like who who is this woman who's this character she has to be important <laughs> I, I love her I don't know <laughs> Mm. yeah yeah we're like maybe she'll come back um but lastly the pool of starlight in the spring court what is it doing there what is this pool of starlight like it's the spring court it's not the night court it's not the dusk court like why is there a pool of starlight in the spring court it makes no sense like so me and I are just like what is this it has to be something more so guess we'll see eventually Okay, moving on to Aquamath, which I think is many, many people's favorites, especially the Reese fangirls. Um, I know my sister texted me the other day, literally out of nowhere. She was just like, I just reread Aquamath because I wanted to. Why can't I have a Reese hand in my life? I was like, yeah, I mean, those thoughts do go through my head at least once a day. But this one really like pops off with Reese and Farrah's relationship development. And obviously, Ferris starts off at the beginning of this book very, like, depressed. She's, you know, like, came out from under the mountain, but she's not the same person. She's now, like, a fae. Um, Tamlin is, like, still having sex with her, even though she's clearly, like, unwell. It's just a whole... He, then he locks her inside the home. She freaks out. Rhysand, like, feels it down the, you know, connection that they had made, the bargain that they had made. He brings her to the spring court during her wedding. Like she literally, this girl is about to go and get married to Tamlin. He's like, surprise. Comes no, in. Literally the most <laughs> iconic line. Hello, Feyre, darling. Like the gasp I gasped the first time I ever read this book when he shows up and crashes the wedding. So yeah. iconic. He really like took wedding crasher to a new degree. Um, But yeah, and then. Sarah, basically, like, everything changes. All that we knew. We knew the spring court. We knew her and Tamlin's relationship. It literally just all changes. And all of a sudden, she's in the night court with Reese. She's meeting the inner circle. She's, like, finding out about Valeris. Like, um, it's just crazy. And I can't believe that this book is, like, one of the best books in the series, I think, when it's, like, it has so much change at the beginning. Yeah, it's so interesting I mean it's literally again like it's like the kind of like world building 2.0 because you're getting to know the um night court and like all the new characters with the inner circle um and I personally love just like the general development of Reese and Feyre's relationship like obviously that's like the main driver throughout this book um but I think it's so funny to like go from them literally like Feyre literally like resenting him like Tamlin and Lucian press pressuring her into basically giving them the information of whatever she's seeing at the night court um and so so interesting to me like literally they go from her throwing her wedding shoe at his at the back of his head to yeah. obviously being made so like falling in love so mm -hmm. I do think I do think it's important like how they kind of developed this friendship before diving into yeah she like trusts him before anything else um and obviously by this point too we didn't know it at the time but reese like realizes that she is this me he felt it in that like scene basically at the end of akatar where he looks at her and then has this look on his face and like immediately disappears um and yeah and pharaoh was like why did he look that way then we realized later on it's because he felt the meaning pond like snap into place But something else I really like about this book is we start exploring more of, like, the Akatar universe, like, more of Prithian. So, you know, we get to go and see the Summer Court. We get to meet Tarquin, like, the High Lord of the Summer Court. Loki, like, the Summer Court, I want to go there. I'm like, can I plan my next vacation? The, the way that she describes the courts, it's like, I can just see it with my eyes closed. And that is where I want to be in my life. I want to be there in my dreams. It's just, it's so good. But I really did like expanding the universe, meeting more characters, seeing more courts. Yeah, definitely. I think that the summer court is obviously such a turning point because it really cements Feyre's place like within the inner court and working with them, um, how they're, how she and Amran sneak in to get the Book of Breathings and how Feyre is flirting with Tarquin to like get this information mm -hmm. out of him. The tension between Reese and Feyre at this point when Feyre is like, what would you do if I fucked him for it? And Reese is like, yeah, yeah. you can fuck whoever you want. Just don't fail this mission. Like, 
please. Reese would yeah. fold. He literally he would have folded if that yeah. went down. He literally would have killed himself. Yeah. Or and killed Tarquin, first of all. Um, but yeah, no, we do love how Nesta, Aline, and Farah, obviously not yet in this book, all of them, but basically they just get every single high lord of every single court to fall in love with them. So you see three sisters that used to be human marching in, and they're like, yeah, we are that girl. Um, but, you know, something else that's very interesting and it really like connects all the books together is Farah first going to speak to the bone carver. So she, you know, goes down into like the prison and speaks to the bone carver and she sees him as basically what we eventually find out to be what her first child with um Resand would look like but at the time she still didn't know about the mating bond. Like she didn't realize that. But the bone carver is just so connected to like even the full mass verse in general. Um, I can't even like fathom, you know, like who he is and what, like how important he's going to be to the storyline. Yes, I low-key am a bone carver stan. I think every single scene with him is so interesting between how he talks to Reese, how he talks to Feyre, how he talks to Nesta, how he talks to Cassian. Like, there, he obviously is, like, another worldly being, which is mm-hmm. interesting. And the fact that his siblings are the Weaver and Koshi, like, Koshi's definitely, at the end of Silver Flames, we realize that he's basically going to be, like, the next major villain that they have to handle. But mm-hmm. speaking of villains, this book sets up the obviously the conflict with the King of Hybern and Hybern. Um, you guys, the King of Hybern is nameless. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave that there and put it out there. We're not gonna talk spoilers, but mm-hmm. um, I think that that's so interesting. And he really is like honestly like he got me like he was a scary villain like I was like shit like what's gonna happen next like mm-hmm. the amount of like sneaking around and like the fact that he was like um trying to collect the legs to the cauldron to like repair the cauldron and like all those different things like I was like oh shit like this man's yeah, literally always, gonna destroy the world he always was two steps ahead like no matter how much the inner circle did they he was always ahead of them um but yeah I mean this really started off the whole like war I mean in the end Tamlin literally betrays Farah, and Elaine and Nesta are captured and then this basically leads to them getting tossed in the cauldron they become Faye this is like the whole twist at the end of Akamath um Nesta also like basically takes death from the cauldron she like Iconic. sees it they both have these like now like powers that they don't know what to do. Elaine is like a mew after this. But this is all leading into um Akwar. But before we even get there, I just also, other than all the trauma that happens from the King of Highburn, he starts really like, you know, showing his hand and being like, you cannot fuck with me. I am evil and I will win. The cabin scene when Farah and Reese finally unite as mates and she gives him food. Um, but yeah, soup. that good soup. Yeah, good soup. And I just love the whole like mates reveal in general, but I will say this is a really good spice scene as well. Yeah. No, of course. I mean, this is what cemented it for me. Like I was like, oh my god, like this is the most incredible story. These are the most incredible characters. Like, first of all, the cereal just spilling tea, like literally one of the most iconic moments in the entire series I absolutely love him for that um and then I do think like it's again interesting because like Feyre has to like take a step back and she goes to the cabin she paints the creepy ass eyes all over the cabin which is so weird um (laughs) but then when Reese shows up and he tells her all the background of everything and how and why he fell in love with her oh pain like when he's explaining about starfall which oh my god we didn't even talk about starfall that scene gets me every mm-hmm. single fucking time like tears um but like the cabin scene like chapter 54 and chapter 55 just absolutely monumental like yes. an incredible piece of literature yes an incredible people it's like the mona lisa of the akatar series 100 mm-hmm. and so then we get that and then hybern makes his move makes his play and we end with the high lady of the night court reveal. And I will say 
like obviously like saw it coming once we found out that they were mates but Mm -hmm. this got me I was fucking geeked when I read the words so Tamlin unwittingly led um the high lady of the night court into the heart of his territory like gagged yes and also this is a full 360 after tam she'd asked tamlin oh how come there aren't any high ladies and he was like no there's only high lords and then she becomes the first fucking high lady queen yeah and i i also love the inner court being like what the fuck reese like she made her high lady and then sent her as a spy into our enemy territory like i think amran somebody is like or maybe it's more or Amran. They're like, she's your mate, not your spy. Like, get her back right now. And Reese is like, nah, I trust her. She a baddie. She gonna handle yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the exactly. break the bond, like the fact that they played that so well, like oh, iconic of them. Iconic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know they're two sneaky, sneaky people. But okay, let's move on to Akawar. Um, and I feel like as the name, the acronym sounds, this one is full of war scenes. So she's action-packed. Yeah, 100%. I do, however, love how action-packed this book is. Like it does feel, it feels a little less romantic and a little bit more fantasy. Like mm-hmm. definitely we get all the different points, like major points of a fantasy book with the culmination, the final battle scenes. But it starts off with our girl Feyre sabotaging the spring court. And this is literally so iconic. Like at first. From the inside. Th- yeah, from the inside. And I think at first, like on my first read of the series, I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Like, can we move through this? But the last several times that I've reread it, I have literally relished in these chapters. Like, Ianthi, like Feyre taking that bitch down a fucking notch. Like, the Hybern <laughs> twins, like there, we get so many iconic moments. Like yeah. Lucian and Feyre setting the bog after the Hybern twins is literally one of the funniest things to ever happen. Like I absolutely love that. I was gonna say, if Xanthi has any, you know, if she doesn't have haters, then Mia is dead. Yeah, <laughs> no, literally, truly, like I, yeah, that girl grinds my fucking years. Yeah, um, I think it's like the whole holier than thou vibe, yes. but then she's secretly like cunty. Um, Because I just, like, hate – I, like, know people like that in real life and, like, drives me up the wall. Like, I actually, like – She kind of reminds me and is even, like, physically described as, like, blonde and perfect. Um, If you've ever watched The Handmaid's Tale, like, you know, like, the wife of, you know, the guy that's – the main character, she's the wife that's barren. Like, they basically give me the same vibes. And it's just cunt. Like, you're like, I just fucking hate you and I want you to die, bitch. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that Feyre literally foils every single one of her plans. Like, iconic of her when she moved the rock for the sunrise ceremony so that the sunlight would actually shine on her and make her look like a saint instead of Ianthi. Bruh. Literally, I, I love Feyre. Like, I we talked about this before in Akatar and like Nesta is my all-time favorite character but I really do love Feyre as a protagonist for the first three books like yeah, I think she's just sure. yeah, a badass yeah until I even like got Nesta's like background I wouldn't have never thought of Nesta as being like my fave she just like surprised me and also like she's a relatable girl but no Feyre is a badass I mean this is why she was like you know the youngest child but she was the one hunting for them like she always was a badass okay so following Farrah sabotaging the spring court Lucian basically like happens upon her her sabotage and you know he she's like well I'm heading out so if you want to come you can but (laughs) otherwise bye so Lucian comes they show up to Valaris this is when Lucian, like, meets Elaine. He's like, you're my mate. She's like, what the fuck? Who are you? Get away from me. Poor, poor Lucian. We'll dive into that later as well. But I will say, even before they get back, um, I do love the scene with Cassian and Az showing up in the ice, and they're trying to escape the Autumn Court members. So, like, Lucian's been showing down with his brothers, including Eris. Iris, oh my god, another person. Like, I need to know the backstory with him and more. I just oh, yeah. need we'll it. Get I, into need that. It. I need it. I need it. But yeah, that was kind of an iconic scene. Farah really like shows off all her powers that she absorbed from the High Lords once they all gifted her life. Blah blah blah. But yes, this was a great little like beginning of the book, basically starting in all the courts and then you know, meeting all these 
different characters. Yes. And another moment that I think we have to talk about is when they host the High Lords meeting. Uh, because this gets all of our power players back in the same room. And it's really like the night court's chance to like change kind of like their perception. Like obviously Reese still wants everyone to be fucking scared of fucking with the night court because he's the most powerful mm-hmm. high lord in history. Um, but this is such an iconic moment where like we he basically just hard launches Feyre as High Lady. Um, and we get mm-hmm. some not so nice responses to that. Yeah. I I love careful how you speak about my high lady. I'm like, yeah, go as love you. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was like so mad when Tamlin started like spewing shit during this meeting about Vera. I was like, fuck you, bitch. Like, we all hate you, we all know you suck. I do love Kilius and Vivian, so the High Lord at the Winter Court and his mate. I love the seat part as well, where she finds out that Farah is a High Lady, and she's like, "Why can't I be the High Lady?" And he's basically like, "We'll talk about it later. We'll talk about." It. They're like, they're just another cute little couple. I feel like, um, yeah, like I love being introduced to the other couples of the Akatar universe. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was just like an intense scene tensions were high didn't necessarily know how it was going to end we also get reveals about um Hylion being lucian's father like basically pharaoh was able to like smell it on them which was insane like didn't see that coming either totally thought lucian was like a you know heir of the autumn court apparently not yeah, 100%. Helion in general, like, getting his character introed and, like, getting a little bit more FaceTime with him, he's so funny and interesting. Like, the fact mm-hmm. that he literally was begging Cassie and Az and more for a foursome, like, I'm like, same. Like, same. <laughs> <laughs> and the yeah, fact that he like- hits on Nesta and Nesta's, like, literally, she goes, not interested. I, like, yeah. gagged. <laughs> yeah, no, I was gonna say, I mean, more does end up fucking him even though and like as is obviously kind of like upset about that because this is back when we still have like the more as plot line like where as was obviously kind of like hopelessly in love with her then we do find out that more is for the girlies um you know a win for the girlies if you will but i feel like more we could also talk about her for so long she's another character that we have so many like secrets to find out about again back to Eris like what happened there but yeah the High Lords meeting was iconic and again we got to see another court which I always love like that's like some of my favorite parts of Akatar it's just like yeah like, reading about the courts the descriptions like I feel like I'm there yeah no the dawn court and like it being up in the clouds like oh, mm-hmm. so iconic um this is also so speaking about as and more this is also the the book where we like really first get to see the kind of tension between um Cassian and Nesta and as and Elaine like we get the first hints of you know what these romances are gonna be mm-hmm. um and so like you can just tell like even like going into the final battle like there's like the tension between Cassian and Nesta um We'll talk about the final battle in a second, but also when they when Elaine gets stolen or like lured out by the cauldron into the heart of Hybern's war camp, Asriel is like, we're getting her back. So like him and Feyre go in there. Tamlin ends up helping them. Jorian ends up helping them. Mm-hmm. Um, so some other side characters that where we get to know better in this book is Jurian. Um, literally mm-hmm. like this guy. Who was trapped as an eyeball with Amarantha <laughs> for 15 years the and for wonder he didn't, long. The wonder he didn't, like, go absolutely batshit mental. Yeah, no, 100%. And it's so interesting that, like, he was a, he was a human, right? Um, And then mm-hmm. there's the whole backstory with Jurian and then Miriam and Dracon on, like, their hidden secret island. Like, really interested to see where all of that goes from there because at the end of the battle we they get to just carry the cauldron off into the sunset and hide it on their hidden secret aisle um which yeah. seems like a lot of power to put into someone's hands mm-hmm. interesting point well we have a lot to find out about that aisle as well and like all the people there and just you know all the history yeah 100 percent. but i do want to get into the final battle scene because this guys like we we've said it time and time again the last hundred pages of a sarah j mass book will absolutely wreck you 
Um, this one in particular, like this one and Kingdom of Ash, um, unrelated, but Aquawar, the last hundred pages, like gutted me. Like literally, like I could not handle it. I was flipping through these pages. Like I literally was reading, I think fat, like faster than the speed of light. Like I could not consume. So many things go, so many things go wrong in this battle scene. Like everyone dies and then comes back to life. But so, I mean, other than, um, daddy archeron who sadly gives up his life for his daughters um and actually dies but no like amran sacrifices herself then she comes back reese sacrifices himself then he comes back <laughs> like everyone dies but i will say that like i think the most iconic part of this entire entire battle scene everyone's fighting everyone's using their powers Farah's using her powers like it's insane but elaine and nesta being the ones to like kill the king of highburn icons queens like you know and they needed that because this is also right after he had just slaughtered their dad right in front of them so we did get that you know revenge at least yeah no the fact that as gave elaine truth teller and she's the one that first stabs the king of highburn with it like okay yeah, she doesn't even okay. know what to do with it she's like how do i even hold a sword yet she's like you're done um, and then it makes sense that Nesta would behead him. <laughs> She's like, fuck you. This yeah. girl has never killed someone in her life. And the first time she does is beheading. So, yeah. yeah. Go she off, has some, She has some rage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, obviously, the end of the battle culminates. We win. Um, Feyre has a couple of secrets up her sleeve. She busts out the weaver, the bone carver, mm-hmm. and Briaxis to Cassian's horror. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. So, yeah, and we also get to see how power, just how powerful Reese is. Like, the fact that he literally just points a finger and mists a chunk of Hybern's army, like, iconic mm-hmm. again. Yeah, no, everyone's powers were really showing up here. Um, I will say something else about this scene is Nessa and Cassian, like, they had really, really interacted a couple of times, yet basically during this, they both think they're going to die. And Cassian's like, if only we had more time, I would have spent it with you. Like, and this is just the beginning of, of it all. But we have one more book to get through before we get into Akasaf. Yes, literally that one sent me Nessie and Girlies Rise Up. Um, but at the very, very end of Aquawar, we also are introduced to kind of an interesting character that I'm hoping to see more of, which is Vasa. Um, and obviously that we learn about the human queens and like their betrayal of, of one another. Um, so Vasa has been imprisoned by Koshi under like a firebird spell, super interesting. Um, and so they gather all of the courts and like the representatives of the humans. Um, and then Vasa is there. And so they're all trying to talk and figure out the way to move forward and renegotiate the treaty. So they did that. Yes, there's, like, I think now that we've been talking about it, like, there's so much information and so many important things happen in this book. Like, I think this book, honestly, like, all the important things happen. And this is really starting to foreshadow, like, you know, it, basically this war is ending and it's all starting to foreshadow where Akatar is moving to and, like, the next war that's coming. So um, this one, definitely, like, a great reread for anyone that needs to kind of like you know especially before the next Akatar book comes out I think this is probably like one of the most vital books to read 100% but to take a little break from all of the war scenes and intense emotional damage that Akawar gives mm-hmm. us next up we have A Court of Frost in um, Starlight which is our little novella Christmas time adorable I will say that, like, so many people are like, oh, I don't want to read this. Like, I want to just skip it. But important plot points do, like, get set up in this book. Like, it's important. You can't just skip it, guys. Um, Also, it's Christmas time right now. So, like, I love I love the vibes. It's so cutesy. No, but this Winter solstice. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This sets up the entire next book. Like, you know, Nesta is so depressed. We see the, like huge fight that she gets into with Amarin and you know every basically is not great to anyone and this is just setting up the beginning of her journey in Akasaf um but also like Vera and Reese decide that they want to have a baby and they start trying and then obviously next book like bam she's pregnant but this is just setting up 
so much that I do think like if you missed this book, you'd be like, wait, like where did this come from? You know, like you need this book for the context. But I do enjoy that SJM was like, you guys suffered through the last book. There was a lot of like gut-wrenching, like heart-wrenching things in there. So I'm going to give you some fluff. And fluff she gave us. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's like wholesome because it shows that like they're all trying to move on from the events of the war and like cope in their different ways. Like Feyre finds her art studio and decides to open it and like teach classes for the children of Valaris. Like, oh, oh my God, of course, like the cutest. Um, And the last thing that I will say on this, we get a little chapter thrown in about more that is literally never discussed again. And Like, this is my Roman Empire, you guys. Why does Moore have a secret cabin in the countryside? Who who is there? Who is visiting? Why does she have it? What is she lying about? What are her secrets? We're going to get deeper into that. But, like, just please, SJM, I need answers. Can I just, like, burrow myself inside of your skin and your brain? Yes. Like, Why am I, like, we? her and Eris' baby is definitely – or not Eris, Cassie. I don't know there's so many like theories I don't I don't know well I guess we'll have to see but on to our last book and favorite me and I's personal favorite is A Court of Silver Flames and this is Nessa's book this is where she shines this is where Cassian shines we also start getting foreshadowing for like Azrael and what the fuck's gonna happen with him down the line and he's also one of my favorites so fucking hot shadow daddy Avi but I just love 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 this book has so many important things that you know it's important for like back to our universe and where the, the series is gonna go but like first and foremost like this is a mental health book like we basically see Nesta's mental health journey from the beginning to end um and something else I love about it is I think Farah also had like mental health struggles, especially in um, A Court of Mist and Fury that we see her go through. Same with Elaine in Akawar, but we don't really see like their full journey. We don't get to hear all their like inner thoughts about like depression and anxiety and like not feeling good enough and just all these like horrible, horrible feelings. And I love that we get to see everything. We get to hear everything. From Nesta's point of view, we get to like see her self hatred, and for Farah, like it almost just like went away. Like she was like really depressed, and then basically Reese came into her life, and she kind of was just like fine. Like she kind of just like was like oh, I'm good now. Like that's not totally realistic of an actual mental health journey. You can have someone come into your life, and it'd be really great, but you still can be stuck with like all these really negative feelings about yourself. So I just love that this book centers around her relationship with Cassian, but it's mostly about her relationship with herself. And even though she has Cassian, like she has to first love herself without just relying on his love for her. Yeah. This book, like actually, like I cannot put into words, like how impactful it was um, for me and like how much I see myself in Nesta. If you guys want more on this, we have an entire episode dedicated to our mental health in Nesta um it's called mm-hmm. climb the mountain so if you haven't listened to that go and give it a try but yes. nesta is our girl like i am her and she is me mm-hmm. yeah nesta is just so relatable and i do think that like some people have like ill feelings towards her because like they're like she was so mean she was a bitch like she basically she was the oldest and she let Farrah like, go and hunt for the family. Like, why wasn't she taking care of them? But she's just, like, like you said earlier, Mia, like you said, SJM writes really complex characters. That is Nesta. She is so complex, but she is so powerful um, and just, like, relatable between the mental health, between reading her little smutty books and, like, sharing them with all her friends. Um, I do love the trope, too, of her finding these, like, best girlfriends and really, like, having trust and like trauma bonding with them and they all share their like deepest darkest secrets like there's just a lot of relatable content in this book and it's not just like a romantic where it's like action and romance like there's friendship there's mental health there's everything it's so important yeah the friendships and the importance of the valkyries and like nesta forming the valkyries is so important like literally cannot overstate that enough her finding Gwyn and Emery as friends is just as important to 
like her journey and her growth as her relationship with Cassian is like by the time they enter the blood right like Nesta is willing to literally go down swinging and sacrifice herself to save her friends like you mm-hmm. can't tell me that like she's a selfish person like you just can't yeah like sorry and like all the work that Cassian and Asriel were doing for her in the house of um wind she invited them she was like I know you guys like might benefit from this too like come train with me come read with me like you know she basically was like the more the merrier um and I do love those scenes when they're all training um you know obviously Gwen and Emery when they see Cassian and Asriel they're like oh like little smile I'm like same girl the way I'd be speechless um and uh, another random side note um but the training scenes I need to have a conversation with the editor who cut out the threesome scene between Asriel and Cassian because if you guys remember um Nesta is watching Asriel and Cassian spar like train and she starts having these like intense thoughts and then she kind of cuts it off because she's like worried that they're gonna be able to like smell it on her and like whatever but I need to talk with this editor because that would be iconic and it just would have been probably my favorite scene in the entire guitar <laughs> series yeah but even though we don't get the threesome scene which yes I want to have words with you mm-hmm. <laughs> but words even though we don't get the threesome scene we do get the best spice in the entire mm-hmm. SJM universe like yes you guys a court of silver flames chef's kiss like the smut in this book is so good Cassian is so sexy like Mm -hmm. the tension of literally being fuck buddies to like them accepting each other again realistic fuck buddies like that happens in the real world like not being able to face your feelings yes and you don't immediately just I mean I know Cassian was head over heels for her like from day one but like you know he he played it cool he wasn't like giving her you know, she he wasn't giving her his all when she wasn't giving him anything. So I do love to like the push and pull of their relationship. Um, and Cassian was so like respectful of himself. Like he really loved Nesta, and I think he had an inkling that she was his mate, but also he wouldn't be with her when she was so low. Cause he first of all was like, I can't be with you until you love yourself. And I'm not gonna and also he was like, I'm not gonna let you treat me poorly and make me feel like shit because you're in a dark place and we can work through that together like I can't be with you in that way until like you're fine which I really respect yeah and he also recognizes like even though it's hurtful for him like he like the keep reaching out your hand he's like I'm not gonna give up on her um Mm -hmm. and he even says like at one point like she has to save herself like he's like I know that there are some parts of this that like I can't help her with um and so that's like also again like healthy and realistic like you can't save your partner um like but you're there to support them and be there for them no matter what yeah exactly um but I do say I mean obviously Cassian we do get a lot of spice scenes and it is really smutty because even though he holds back emotionally he is unable to hold back physically as we see in the iconic dining table dining room scene where Azrael walks in on Cassian and Nesta after they had just done some naughty things so another iconic scene of this book um but yeah I mean even like towards the end they you know Nesta's finally coming like to terms with herself she's starting to really like actually kind of love herself and like put put aside some of her grief and like despair and they have literally the most like insane passionate emotional sex and the next next morning Cassian basically realizes he's like she's my me I know because I'm looking at her I'm obsessed with her I want to stay in bed with her for the next week and not get out but he's like I got to go because he knows that Nesta would flip a shit and she would freak out and like it would just ruin everything so rather than like thrusting all of his feelings upon her and like you know making her have to like balance those emotions with again her own he's like I'm gonna remove myself and let her continue to figure things out because she's clearly not ready for it yeah definitely so besides their relationship we also get some again really interesting plot points that have some really interesting implications for the next couple of books um bringing this back up Eris Vincera 
Give me Eris's backstory. I literally, okay, so he's going against his father, committing treason, basically, by allying himself with the Night Court, like, continues mm-hmm. to put himself in danger, like, is so upfront and, like, forthcoming with them when they're, like, still keeping secrets from him. Literally, like, the ball dance scene where he literally, like, is, like, proposing to Nesta after one dance. And he's telling mm-hmm. he's telling Nesta, like, don't believe everything bad that they say. Like, they don't know the whole truth. Like, there's some truths that Morgan, like, can't face herself or, like, hasn't faced yet and, like, stuff like that. Like, Eris's backstory. I actually can't. And he takes the brunt of um, Baron's, like, abuse. Like, he protected Lucian, like – who do you, mm-hmm. like he literally says he's like who do you think helped Lucian get to the border of the spring court like mm-hmm. he, like he's always been good he just plays the bad guy he literally I know, says he Reece, plays he's the like, bad guy he's like not all of us are so lucky in our friends as you resand like literally just Eris just everything Eris Eris I know, Eris he's Eris. secretly just like sad he's like I want an inner circle and friends and people to trust me and love me but I think he is going to have, like, the biggest redemption arc. I mean, he's already on his way, but I I, I hope the best for him. Like, I almost wish that, like, Elaine was his mate and not Lucian's because I'm kind of an Aristan, Um, And I think that'd be, like, an interesting little plot twist. But who even knows where Elaine with Lucian with as not Eris, but God, there's so much in the air, guys, like, with that whole romance but we don't have any of that content yet so again this just all needs to wait like i'm foaming at the mouth for this next book i need the answers now yeah literally i cannot wait another thing that is so important in this book is we see obviously nesta coming into her own with her powers and being able to wield the dread trove and like how literally she finds the mask in the bog of urid and rises out of the fucking bog with an army of dead soldiers at her command and literally is death herself like mm-hmm. I, she is that girl she's yes. so powerful yeah. um Azrael and Cassian literally bow down to her yeah no exactly and other characters recognize it too like the bone carver has told Cassian like oh like that girl Nesta she be powerful and then when mm-hmm. Cassian and Nesta go to the prison and they see um, – because they're looking for the harp. And when they're escaping, they see Lanthus, who's this, like, old being that Cassian trapped in the prison way back when. Um, mm-hmm. And Nesta fights with him. He shows her this vision of, like, well, we could rule the world together. Like, you're a queen. Like, mm-hmm. your power is, like, I've been waiting a very long time for you mm-hmm. and whatever. So, like, our girl Nesta – like she's quite important and quite powerful she yes. also forges new made weapons um mm-hmm. because she is cauldron made and whatever cauldron power of death she stole she's able to forge the weapon so she makes her sword ataraxia inner peace iconic mm-hmm. um we also get more backstory um in these kind of like history and like back end of Prithian with that so like Lanthus is part of that so he talks about um the great hunt and Reese and Amran kind of explain this history of Prithian like way back when like 15,000 years ago whatever whatever um so there were these creatures the Daglin and Reese says that the Fae were not the first masters of this world and according to their oldest legends um, which are now forgotten, we were created by beings who were near gods and monsters, the Daglin. They ruled for millennia and enslaved us and the humans. They were petty and cruel and they drank the magic of the land like wine. So out of the Daglin, King Phion becomes the first high king of Prithian, but then he was eventually betrayed and then the land kind of like becomes chaotic and that's how the seven high lords and the seven courts rose up and have been in place ever since. But there's a really interesting point where Amran is talking to Reese and is like, maybe there should be a high king again. Like, you're the most powerful high lord in centuries. It's not a coincidence that, like, all of these things are happening at the same time. Which, like, mm-hmm. T, I also want more about Amran. Like, I think she is also such a morally great character. I think mm-hmm. this scene especially, like, pushing Re- pushing the high king thing onto Reese is really interesting. Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. why is she so hardcore Wait, on this? Also- her and Tarquin's brother. 
so good. I love that yes. relationship. Oh my god, I forgot And Nessa about walks that. in on them fucking, and she's like, "Get out of bed so we can talk." And Amarin's like, "Excuse you." I completely fucking forgot about that. Yeah, no, the fact that he literally like goes onto his knees and like kisses Amarin, like when they Yes. survive, like. so funny iconic and then he like gets to spend solstice with them and stuff too so cute um yeah then lastly with the ending of the book carly tell me how do you feel about Feyre's pregnancy okay so Sarah uh, being pregnant like obviously we find this out at the beginning of the book very exciting then halfway through the book we find out that she's actually going to die when she was birthed because she can't fit like the her baby has Illyrian wings since it was the baby was conceived when her and Reese were both in their Illyrian forms mm, yep and <laughs> so she's going to die her like birth canal like won't fit the wings and because they had made that like bargain whatever um Reese tied his lifeline to Farah so that whenever one dies, the other dies. So basically, Reese tells everyone other than Farah because he doesn't want her stressing about it. He doesn't want her to know. He's like killing himself, staying up all night trying to find out like a way to like help her survive. Um, Nesta obviously spills the tea when she's mad. Reese is like about to kill her. That's when they go climb the mountain or like they just go on a hike and. You know, it starts the beginning of her being, like, hitting rock bottom and having to come back up and, like, like crawl out of that hole. Um, but, yes, so we get to the end where Vera is giving birth. Resand is, like, literally, I can even, I can, like, hear it in my head, like, his, like, screams of anguish as he realizes that she's dying. Um, Nesta then goes and takes the dead trove, basically, like, masters all of them, wields them. And then... Farah ends up surviving. The baby Nyx survives because Nesta changes like the anatomy of her body so that she can fit the wings. She does the same for herself so that Cassian and her, because they're officially like mates by this point, can do the same. Um, but yes, yeah, so this ending was so intense. Resand and Nesta like butted heads so much. And then Resand is literally falling to his knees, thanking Nesta, being like, I'll do anything for you. It's just, it's like a really good way to end. Then the baby's around. They go visit um Daddy Archeron's grave. Farah brings um Nyx to basically like meet him or just like visit the grave. But yes, I mean, great ending. It was had me sobbing but i'm so excited to see more of nyx and like the the inner circle with the baby and fair and recent with the baby and just everyone with the baby maybe we'll get more babies but you know i'll end on this note farah and nesta both have wombs now that can birth illyrian wings but elaine doesn't so we shall see <laughs> All right, guys, time for our favorite section of the podcast. We are ranting about the TV adaptation of Akatar that's coming to Hulu, allegedly, sometime in the future, even though it keeps getting delayed. And we have next to no information because of that. Our imaginations are running wild, and we have some very, very hot takes and necessities for what the show is going to look like. Yes. Whether it's picked up by Hulu, you know, there's been rumors that Hulu... Dropped it. Honestly, I'm hoping for an HBO pickup. They would do this series so well. Like, I could write a petition about this. But, yes. Yeah, so, me and I have some thoughts and feelings. There's always, like, TikToks everywhere about fan casts for Akatar, Throne of Glass, like, Crescent City, everything in the SJM universe. Um, But there's just, like, feelings. And... There's a lot of things, but I'm first only going to start off by saying I want it to be like Game of Thrones where every, most, I would not, maybe not every single, but like the majority of actors and actresses weren't known yet, especially the main characters. Like the people that are casting Jacob Elordi to be Resand straight to jail. He is like, like Reese is a man. Jacob Elordi, love him. He's hot as fuck, Avi, but he's not like, you know, he's in his 20s. He's not a man. Resand is a man. Also, the Bat Boys are supposed to be dark-skinned. Like, I'm kind of imagining, like, Middle Eastern men who are, like, darker with, like, 
dark hair and features and, you know, super sexy. Um, not a Jacob Elordi. That is just not how I picture recent at all. But I think something that would really help here is like Game of Thrones. If anyone ever watched it, like Daenerys, um, Jon Snow, all of them are relatively unknown actors. Like they had been in some things, but they had, they were not like, they had not like become like A-list celebrities. They were not famous really, but like whatsoever. So I really want this to be like unknown casting, at least for like the main main characters. So that I want to be like how Daniel Radcliffe, he plays Harry Potter and I'll always think about him as Harry Potter. Like he will always be my Harry Potter. I want that to be the same for Farah, Rhysand, Cassian, as Nesta, Lane, et cetera. Yeah, definitely. I feel some type of way. Like I love a white boy of the month. Keep him away from my bad boys. Like, <laughs> l- like please, like keep that out of this adaptation. Um, I also like, especially for the Archeron sisters, like I want them to be otherworldly beautiful, like, even as mm-hmm. humans. Like, these girls are pulling, like we said, the most powerful yes. warriors and high lords in all of Prithian. Like, they need to literally, like, I just need everybody to look like, like, you, you know how, like, in the Lord of the Rings, like, the elves look mm-hmm. like they could be, like, immortal, incredibly beautiful beings? Yes, like, yes. That, that's, we need to be like that. I, that's what I yes. need. Yes, exactly. And they need to, like, literally be, like, you know look immortal they need to be and i don't want any i love twilight i don't want any of the like twilight cgi shit that they pulled in breaking dawn part two to make bella look like a vampire like no this needs to be natural natural beauty that obviously they accentuate like makeup and like fake ears and everything but i do think i always find it funny when people fan cast models because exactly like that is how i imagine them looking to a t but they are models so they can't necessarily act and like this needs to be good we need good actors and actresses so like yes with the looks let's keep it that way but in the end of the day we're not fan casting like you know a gucci model for this we need an actress we need someone who knows how to put on a good show because i will be kicking my feet up with popcorn and screaming at the tv as i did with game of thrones i literally would like lock myself in a room no one was allowed to speak to me when i watched that and i would be like drinking wine and eating snack like there is no tomorrow and i will be the exact same way if not worse when this show ever comes out oh 100 you know what i just realized we could be living in the same city by the time this show comes out we better be (laughs) because i am sad that percy jackson the live version on disney is coming out this wednesday and we will not be together to watch it like but i will say i'm watching it with my friend jillian and we were both like the percy beth fan fiction girlies so at least i got her see i'll be doing what you did for hbo and watching it alone so mm -hmm. and i'm gonna be like phone on do not disturb snacks wine poured nobody fucking bother me but yeah no one bother us no one bother us yeah hopefully we will be living in the same city at that point if not i think we'll have to fly in to see each other (laughs) i think we'd have to record content i think we'd have to make record our pod content there'd just be too much to miss so yeah um hbo hulu whatever when you guys have a release date please let us know so me and i can get this on the books yeah speaking of that Hulu, I'm really worried that you're not going to hit the level of sexiness that I need out of these mm-hmm. stories. Like, I need the full Game of Thrones HBO sex scenes, like the softcore yes. porn. Like, I yes. need this to be sexy. I need to feel the longing and the passion through the screen like I felt when I was reading these books. Yeah, no, I would say, like, I loved Game of Thrones and the House of the Dragon, the, like, prequels spinoff came off obsessed with it the sex scenes were just not it they like don't exist anymore and I get that like you know it depends on how comfortable actors and actresses are with sex scenes and nudity but like let's get some actors and actresses that were like porn stars back in the day and now they're actors because me and I like need those sex scenes like there's no tomorrow and if I don't get them I will riot I will fucking riot like it's like there's I don't have too many requests in the world but my request is for the actor show to be good acting have a good script have a high cgi budget like you know i want to step through my tv and feel like i'm there i want to be like an avatar by james cameron like that is the world building that i want to see for akatar yeah and if mother sarah janet mass 
does not sign off on this show like 100,000%, I just will not be happy. Like, I'm going to watch it, obviously, but like, I will be so upset for her. Yeah, no, I mean, she better. I want it to be like how George R. R. Martin, like he was so involved with the creation of Game of Thrones. And that's why it was so good because he literally is the author. He wrote the characters in the scenes and made up the world. And so like when he saw on the TV, he was like, yes, that is it. I want her to look at the TV and be like, that is Valaris. That is the night court. That is spring court. That is summer court. Like that is Nesta. That is Farah. I just, she better be involved or... I'm making my own version. <laughs> like, yeah, let's start casting our own version of Akatar. Maybe we'll be released before this one will. Okay, besties, believe it or not, 2023 has come to a close. And while it's been an incredibly jam-packed year, including the birth of Carly and I's friendship, it's time to look forward to 2024. So next episode, we're going to be chatting some of the most impactful self-help books and podcasts that have helped us get through this year, and we're looking forward to next year. Yeah, and we're always looking for book recs, so if you have suggestions, shoot us a DM on TikTok at readingrentingpod or email readingrentingpod at gmail.com. Until next time, happy reading, besties. (laughs) 